Well, here we are again on demand. I just tell you all the time, I love on demand because you get to put the word of God in your hand and you get a chance to see it when you can see it. And I want you to join me today for a Q&A session about relationships. It's going to be off the charts. You will love it. We're going to talk about four areas, we're going to talk about marriage, single life. We're going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about just in general, all kinds of questions about how to get along with people. It's going to be amazing. So join us today. Get ready to buckle up and just enjoy some questions about relationships. How do you get along with people? Just stay there and watch this. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say questions. You should ask me about relationships. I said to you that if you want to cut a new path in your life, one of the things you have to do in your life if you want a new path, is you have to make sure you build a better you, right? And then you build a better vision, and then you better build a foundation, and then you make better decisions, and then you deal with the real issues in your life. And those real issues were three, sexual issues, right, relationship issues, and starting next week, we'll talk about work issues. Next week, I'm going I'm to do a series where I, I start talking to you about the importance of work. It is my conviction that we work wrong. Some people think being busy is work. You know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm overtime is work. Most of the time I've learned that people work, that work overtime don't have much money, my experience. If you work a lot of overtime all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, and you're running all the time, 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 all the time. This is how your life is all the time, all the time. You probably don't have much time with your family. You have a house you can't live in. You have cars you can barely drive. You park them at work and park them at the house, and you don't get to really cruise to the beach. Uh, I, don't, I don't call that success. Uh, you're being dragged by your work. I'm, I understand being, about being engaged. If I put my schedule before you, you might be impressed. The issue is not just being busy, though, being effective. And so I'll talk about work next week, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you that there's a wonderful book I love. It's called Your Work Matters to God. And... Uh, I, it, it, I'm not going to necessarily go through the book, but I'm going to mention a couple of things from it because I love it. Because years ago, it really spoke to me about how people misunderstand the value of work. Your work does matter to God. It matters to you. It should matter to you. There's something healthy about having a good work ethic. Some people want to be blessed, but you are, I say this in love, you, you are too, I won't say lazy. Um, that'd be offensive. Um, you're too fill in the blank to be blessed. God can't, uh, he, he can't get you to where you need to be because the right pieces are not in the right places. Success comes in what? Pieces. But you've got to put the right pieces in the right places. And if you don't have the right disciplines in the right place, you cannot have success. For example, you've got to catch a plane at 3 o'clock, so that means you had to pack last night. That means, that means, that means. And if you did not, you cannot catch the plane at what time? three o'clock. That means you're going to try to go home after church. Let's pretend this is the 11 o'clock service. You're going to go home after church and you're going to try to, you know, um, pack and get to the airport. You're going to be late. You're not going to catch the plane because you didn't put the right pieces where? In the right places. You didn't put the right pieces where? In the right places. That's why you didn't pass the test because you didn't study early enough because it required you to invest a certain number of hours maybe 20 hours to get the product done, but because you didn't study early enough and now it's five hours before the test, you're not going to pass because you didn't put the right pieces where? In the right places. So that's why your relationship is like it is because you needed to spend more time together and so you didn't and so now you didn't put the right pieces where? In the right, and so now you have trouble. 
But if you put the right pieces in the right places and you get a building, uh, you have something that happens to you like it happened to me, the woodpeckers went up on my roof and decided to have a party. Lord, help me, Jesus, can you believe that? And they damaged my roof. Yes, they did. Pecking away. Yes, they did. And so I had to fix it. But um, hallelujah, the insurance didn't cover it. And they told me and my homeowners that we don't handle any bugs, roaches, anything that, <laughs> anything. <laughs> Any creatures, uh, God's creatures, that it would destroy your property, uh, it's uh, up to you and them to work it out. So, 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 <laughs> so, if I don't have any money, I'm in trouble. Come on, say amen, right? And all the rain came, right? All right. So, my point is, at some point, you have to, you have to uh, deal with your life and, and work on putting the right pieces in the right places. Rather than complaining about things not being right and being angry why don't you just say, let me not be angry. Let me put the what? Right pieces where? In the right places. I need to do that. I may not can afford to not work. That may not be affordable for me. That's somebody else's life. My life, I was talking to somebody whom I love and care about. They're having really bad financial trouble. And, and I said to them, uh, you don't work. And they paused and thought, that's really true. She's a great person, too. And so as we talk through this thing, I've been mentoring, mentoring her. She's a wonderful, I mean, really great person. And so she went back to work. And, and she, she called me and she says, you know what? I just got a new place. You know what? I just got a new car. She says, I got dignity. I call it dignity cash. Can you say amen to that, right? Joan Perry gave me that term from years ago in a book she wrote called A Girl Needs Cash. I loved it. It's called, it's an old book. It's called, she, and she talked about the importance of having dignity cash. You know, just enough to kind of, you don't have to, you know, you, you, you broke, but you ain't, you, you got dignity. You know what I'm saying? See, when you broke, I know I'm off topic here a little bit, you know. <laughs> At least I know it. Some preachers don't know it. At least I know I'm wondering a little bit. But, you know, when you go to the gas station, you ain't, you know, you, you can't fill it up, but you give me $10. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's dignity. You know what I'm saying? You, $1 ain't dignity, but, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you want to say, give me 10 put, put 10 in there, you know. And you, you look with pride with that $10. You know you ain't got 11 but you got 10 <laughs> Come on, say man. You hear me, right? Everybody say dignity. Hey, man, that's dignity cash. Praise God. And so there's something about what I'm going to talk about next week that's really powerful is I take on this whole topic of work and how you can put the right pieces in the right places and change your entire life. And let me say this to you. This is not God's responsibility. I'm sorry. You want to make it his, don't you? You want to pray this prayer. Father, bless me. Pray that. Come on. Father, bless me. Come on. Come on. Father, bless me right now with a million dollars in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, some of y'all ain't going to get it because you're greedy. You said two million. I heard you. I didn't pray no two. I said Father bless. Now see, it ain't here. See, see, that's not that's your job. This church is not going to grow. We're not going to have any future. We're not going to have anything if we don't work at it. That's why your family will never change. Because let me tell you, let me give you a prophecy. It will never change. It hasn't changed in the last five years, and it's because you haven't worked at it, putting the right pieces where. All right, good. That's next week's sermon. Okay, enough of that. This week, right? That's where we are. We're in this week, right? Okay, good. Questions you should ask me about relationships. Say it again. Come on. Questions you should ask me about relationships. Now, what I want to do today is I want to take on a new, uh, I want to close out a series, rather, and I want to talk to you about um, some things that I think you should ask me. When you, whenever you're trying to fix your life, you're trying to deal with your real-life issues, relationships are a real big part of that. The problem with relationships is sometimes it's hard 
it's hard to know how to respond to them. So what I'm going to do is give you some formulas. And so we're going to, I'm, I'm walking through four main areas. So I, I divided the sermon into these four categories. And these are, I'm pretending you asked me these questions in a Q&A session. I was going to make it open forum, but I thought, no, nah, no, nah, let me just narrow it down. Let me, let me get you to the promised land. These are questions I think you should ask me. So everybody said general questions, single questions, senior questions, and children questions. So still under senior questions about relationships, children questions about relationships. So I'm going to pretend I'm you and that you ask me a question. Okay? And so these are your questions. Okay? You ready? First, write this text down. It's not in your notes. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Just repeat it with me, please. Come on. Say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. That's God's promise. God is not afraid of a question. Jesus said this to the disciples. Guys, ask me. Ask God. God doesn't mind you. He doesn't get nervous. Then Jeremiah picks up in chapter 33, verse 3. Write that down, Jeremiah 33 and 3. Now, here's what he said. Call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. And will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I will tell you things you don't know if you ask me. Problem is, do you have the courage to ask? And so what I want to do is I want to jump into some questions that I think you should ask me. And I want to just kind of give you what I call a brief answer. Now, what I've done is given you in parentheses next to the question a brief answer. So you can always know at least what I kind of said. You ready? So let's start with general questions. How do I relate to people, pastor, I don't like? Let's start with that one. Here's what's hard for a Christian or anybody, religious people, to admit they don't like somebody. You might ask me, say, pastor, are there people you don't like? Let me put it this way. There are people that make me very uncomfortable. Engaging with them, dealing with them is something that is not enjoyable to me. And you could say that um, I remember one time I was in a service and this lady, she was, she was, I think, heckling me the whole sermon. Talk now. Say it. Have a way. I couldn't hardly get a word out. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I did not want her to come back the next week. Amen. I, next, I, I did not enjoy the encounter. I didn't enjoy speaking in front of her. It was her, I thought it was harassment because I'm trying to get a word out. Talk now. Say it. Come on with it. I'm trying to come with it if you let me finish the sentence. <laughs> I'm trying, to come with, I'm trying to, y'all, I don't mind, you know, I don't mind a little feedback, but wow, come on, I am the speaker, you're not, okay? So at some point, you just, you know, it gets to be, as a matter of, you know, let me tell you what's hilarious, I was, in, I was in the church, I was with some pastors the other day, and they told me, they said, do you remember this lady you told, I said, what lady? The lady you stopped in church, she was harassing, I said, that was your church? Yes, yeah, okay, thank you, I, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Anyway, but <laughs> I, I, I really didn't enjoy that, and I think there are times in life where you run into people, you run into circumstances on a job, and I'll talk more about the job later too, where you just don't like them. Here's what I think you should do. Number one, put on their glasses. Whenever you run across somebody that you struggle with, whenever you have a problem with somebody, don't just see it from, their, from your side. I need to understand that she's just excited about Jesus. She's just excited about the word. I don't have to see it as someone trying to heckle me because she's not. Flip it for a second. Flip it around for a minute and say to yourself, how was she trained? How was she, what, is, what is in her mind? If there's somebody in your life that you encounter, whether it be your husband, your wife, or whoever it is, your children, what do they see? Here's what I love. This is a verse that I love. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. This is not, you know, it's either write this down. Matthew 9, 26. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. 
He had compassion on them. One of the things I have to work on in my life is making sure that I see. I flip it. I have to be compassionate. And sometimes we're not. When we find ourselves having this very bad feeling towards people or bad feelings toward whatever's happening, we have to learn to pause. Okay, I know how I feel right now. That's settled. Now, turn the, turn the page. Put on the other glasses for a minute. And you're going to find that theme throughout my questions today. Turn, t- turn, turn it around. Say that with me, please. Come on. Turn. Just turn it around for a minute. I know you, we know how you feel. You don't have to even say anymore. You don't have to cuss. You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. We got you. Bam. We're there. Okay, now, let's see how they feel. What would prompt them to be this way? They're just crazy. No, you're missing the point. Back up the train. Be compassionate. Jesus looked at the crowds in front of him, and he had compassion for them. And there's something about the lack of compassion sometimes in dealing with people that can make it really difficult. Second question. How do I get over being wronged in relationships? If somebody wrongs you, and let's say they flat out wrong you, there's a verse that I love, Galatians chapter 6. Write this down. It's not in your notes either. Galatians chapter 6. Okay? The first thing you need to do is you need to, first of all, consider your own sinfulness. When you do something wrong to me, and I am offended, I have to not just think about my offense. Again, I have to turn it around. Here's what Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says. If a man is overtaken in a, in a trespass, if a person trespasses in some way, you are spiritual, your goal should be to restore such a man in a spirit of meekness, or gentleness rather, considering yourself, at least you also be tempted. So in other words, when someone does wrong, I need to consider myself. I need to be compassionate. I need to care. Not just focusing on the wrong they did. Sometimes when someone offends you in a relationship or someone does something wrong to you, 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 really can get, you really can get to the place that you're not even thinking about anything but what they did. Maybe the person's overtaken. Maybe they have, maybe they've done it to me, but they are, there's a, they, they are overtaken. I see this a lot in relationships. Okay, so your spouse cheated. Okay, I'm not justifying any of that, but I want you to hear me. Your spouse was overtaken in a fault. The person, the person lied to you. The person stole some money from you. That person was overtaken in a fault or a sin, a trespass. They crossed the line that they weren't supposed to cross. I know that's offensive to you, okay? But pause for a second. This person now is in trouble with God. That's the bigger question. More than you, the person trespassed against the word of God. That's my first concern. I know you're important. I'm not saying you're not. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I love this verse for this, conf- for this question because it raises two important points. Number one, consider yourself. And then number two, consider them. You got to be careful that you don't miss, that you don't forget you've had things in your life too. I love to ask people this question when something happens. I said, have you ever done anything like that? Or have you ever messed up? Or have you ever failed or anything? Whenever you want to get on your kids about, you know, trespassing or violating some rule or doing something wrong. Have you ever had trouble in school? You ever had trouble with grades? You ever had trouble? You ever had any trouble? And, and it's amazing when you flip it and you see it from the other side, you, little, you have a different feel to it. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Number three, right? Why don't I like uh, a good relationship? I love this one. Why don't I like a good relationship that I should like? This is a relationship you should like. You're in a marriage. You should like this marriage. You should like this person. You should like this job. You should like, but you don't. Let me just say it again. 
you don't. Now, you can lie, you can fake, you can you know, be phony, but the truth is you don't. And here's, here's what I think is important. It's tied to taste buds and preferences. Sometimes the problem is you just don't like it. Why? I, 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 all I can think of is a guy named Cain. Remember I talked about him a few weeks ago? Cain just didn't like following God. Cain just didn't, Cain didn't, like, didn't, like, didn't like the whole sacrifice thing and bringing blood sacrifices. He said, look, I'll bring some apples or something or some fruit, you know, but I'm not killing anything. I don't, I don't understand why. He's the kind of person, if he doesn't understand, he's not going to do it. So let's just pretend for a second, right, that you're the kind of person who just doesn't like it. You're not going to obey God but so much. As a matter of fact, there is a wonderful book I'm going to have us read later. It's called The Unsaved Christian. Mm. Wow. Me and that thing is great. Read the other day. Flat out slapped me down. <laughs> the Unsaved Christian. And what the book talked about was unsaved Christians. They, 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 he, said, he said they go to church, but they're not saved. They don't, they don't have any walk with God, not really. They're cultural Christians. So it's like a country club. But in terms of their choices, behaviors, they partially obey God here and there when they feel like that. Throw God a dollar or a dime here and there, give them a few minutes in church. Today's your God day. You know, but outside of the day, you don't care about him for the rest of the week. He's not your favorite friend. He's not, he's, you don't consult him about anything. You don't consult him about how you live. I love it. I'm thinking about using it as a textbook for my new class I told you I'm doing for people that are coming to Christ. Because it is, I don't want to be an unsaved Christian. Does that just speak to you? The unsaved Christian. Look it up. It's a great book. And I, I, I'll tell you, it, it just spoke to me at, all, at, all, at several levels. And I think some of us, if we're honest, we just like Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. Write that down, Genesis 4, 16, right? Cain just, the Bible says, left the presence of the Lord. He didn't want to be, he didn't want anything to do with God. He left. Genesis 4, 16 says he left the presence of the Lord. So after the whole thing with killing his brother Abel and all that, he just walked, he left home. And so you have the Canaanites. Some people don't want to be changed. Some people don't want to serve God. Some people have chosen a lifestyle that says, I don't want to be that way. And so you should like it, but you don't like it. Maybe that's because you've just chosen not to. Is that good, Pastor? Maybe not. Maybe not, but that's your decision. That's your right to make that decision. But I think you need to be clear about that. I believe that God is worth my time, but God won't force me to like him. And there are times I've seen this in relationships with people when you have no reason to feel that way about that person, but you do. Not if you're fair. Not if you're fair. And so sometimes you need to say, God, I need to deal with my preferences. I got a taste bud issue here. I'm like Cain. There's no reason to be that angry at my daughter. There's no justified reason to be that mad at my son. There's no justified reason. But but and, but and I think for me, there are moments I've had to say, Temple, come on now, check yourself. That's a preference issue, and you, you're choosing the wrong thing. Can I get an amen, somebody? Got to move on. Number four, as a parent, what did you do wrong? <laughs> what did you do right? And what would you do differently? Well, now this is where I had to be really honest, hmm, since you wanted to know that since this is your question. 
Now, the first thing I had to say to myself was, I said, okay, I, I was too much of a disciplinarian in the beginning. And um, when we were reviewing these questions, I asked Diana, I said, now, is that, is that, is that, would you say that's true? She said, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I had a point to prove. I had a point to make. When I speak, when I say something, I expect you to, if you were my kids, I expect you to do it, like, right about now. One, I, I went to three. Two, I'm coming towards you. It's really, oh, I know, pray for me. Uh, I had this strong conviction, and I, and I, I, caught, you know, I, I caught it in time. I think I, I, I didn't make anybody crazy. Um, but there was a, a need for me to, um, I think uh, Ricky said it one time, Caesar over Rome. I said, Caesar over Rome? He said, yeah, man, pretty tough, dude. Because, I mean, I mean I, and I, I think that some, as, as a grandparent, you get to the other, and you, after you parent your kids, you look back and go, you could have said that differently. You could have gave them a few more minutes to get that done. You didn't have to be as insistent, as, as you know, crowding, crowd, you have to crowd in that fast. And there's something really powerful about seeing yourself. Second thing I do is this, and I did do some things right. I recognized that early before they left home, thank God. And I changed and toned that down quite a bit, which was good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I did right. Remember what I did wrong, right? And I, 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 there's a verse. Write this down. First Kings 12. First Kings 12. Solomon was a great guy, but he was, he was tough. He was wise, but he was tougher than he needed to be. His kids said that. First Kings 12. You can read it on your own. So those are the things I did wrong, right? Here's, thinking, here's what I did right. I was um, very, very engaging. I was always in their life. It was always fun, laughing, always had fun. You say, well, how could you be both? It, you can't. Because it wasn't all the time. It was just when I asked you to do something, you know. So, <laughs> you know, but I, I learned that one of the good things I did was I was always present. I was always engaged, talked to them, interacted a lot, laughed a lot, played a lot. There's something fun. I believe that kids meet God in the playground. And I think you have to engage with your kids. I think if you, you kind of, I don't play with my kids. Uh, Lord, help your kids. You know, kids do not hear God with a rod. They don't. And I had to learn that. That's not the rod of correction is, you know, is something that God mentioned to us. But we, we like that phrase. We like that verse as long as it's not us being rotted. Are you with me? Yeah. Just imagine if God jacked you up every time you didn't tie every time you didn't honor God. He said, what that five dollars? Give me your pocket. I'm going. Your, what, if, what, if he, what, if he, what if he came and snatched your purse and jerked you around? You know, that's how we treat people sometimes. Can I get an amen to that somebody? So there's something powerful about understanding that there's a, there's a, there's a danger in going too far. I did learn that um, engaging in a right way was a good thing. I talked a lot, laughed a lot, played a lot. But here's something I would do differently if I can go back. This is a surprise maybe that I wrote this, but it's how I feel. I would not let, I would not let my role as a pastor slow down my entrepreneurial passion and training of my kids. We, we could have done more entrepreneurial things, but I hesitated. And I, and I bolded and underlined that word for you for a reason. There's something that happens to you, and I'll talk about this in the next series. When you're a religious person, when you're a pastor in particular in my job, there's something that comes on you because you don't want people to say he's all about money. So you tend to hesitate. In your own personal development, you tend to, even if God gives you money, you give it away. You have this thing about being all about money even though they want you to raise money to help the poor and do all these great things. So there's a hesitancy that I look back and see 
Now, we recovered and survived and did okay, but I think I hesitated. There, was, there are all kinds of opportunities. I remember thinking about a business department for our church and expanding, helping our entrepreneurs. I'm thinking about doing that now. You know, once a month, getting with entrepreneurs, say, this come, let's talk about money. Nothing else. If you don't want to talk about money, stay home. But this is about money this night. I don't know when I pick a day, maybe a Saturday evening or something after Saturday service. I'm not sure when, but I'm thinking about it. Because here's what I think is a big problem. For a lot of you, the problem is what? There you go. You're in business and you're messing up because you don't know what you're doing. And you're hesitant. You're not, you're not, you're not committed. You're, you're half trying to make money. You're half trying to do better. You're half trying to get an education. You're, you're, not, you're not all in. If you're going to be successful, you can't be hesitant. Can I get an amen to that? So those are four questions that I would ask that are general questions. Let's talk about single folks. Single folks, you there? Say amen. Here you go. How, how do you have a relationship without sexual intimacy? Tell your neighbor, say run. Yeah, that's how you do that. Run. <laughs> Here's what you do. You ready? Number one, adjust your location and limit your opportunities. Whenever they tell you about, you know, when you talk about where to build, uh, where, where should I open my office and where should we put the the church, they always say location, location, location. If you want to avoid sexual intimacy, and, and this is about, again, what you believe, because again, you know, let's be honest. For some people, for half of the people who name Christ, that is not their conviction. Over half. That is, let me say, that's not their conviction. And if I were to be honest based on my pastoral experience, I'd say it's 80%. They do not, and God, for you, it's a suggestion. It's not, a, it's not a conviction. God said it would be nice if you waited until you got married to be sexually active. You said, okay, that's a good thought. I'll think about it. <laughs> but in terms of it being, and it's, it's fine as long as there's nobody in your life. You're real strong in the Lord and you can pray and everything. But when somebody comes into your life and there's an opportunity, everything changes. You can look at me and say, preach, preacher, come on. Preach. All right, good, all right. I know I wouldn't get much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm not trying to pick on you because I understand. Because here's what I understand. God made us to be sexual beings. I get it. And I'm not going to re-preach the series I've done on bedroom blindness, which is online. You can go look at it. You know, Google my name in bedroom blindness. I did a whole series on it. I understand the temptation. I get it. But I also understand that there's something powerful in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. Write this down. It's not in your notes either. Okay, Proverbs 6, 27. All right, that is in your notes, right? Right. Can a man take fire in his bosom? Read it with me, please. Come on. Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? As long as you're in that location and you have that opportunity, you know, I always tell you, if you do one and two, three is going to happen. So if you're a single person and you said, I choose to be like the Apostle Paul, which I'll read in just a minute, then I have to change my location. Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, fine. Can I come over? No, no. If you come over, it's going to be a fornication house tonight. No, don't come over here. Nope. <laughs> Can, you want to come over here? No, fornication over there too. Fornication here, fornication there. Fornication anywhere where people ain't. So I can't come to you. I can't even see you in the dark. No. Bam. Click up. Because the truth is, <laughs> you do one and two, three is going to happen. So you have to decide what you believe. And here's what here. Say this with me, please. Say, what I do, what I do. is what I, what I believe. So just be honest with yourself. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. You, you, you have to be really, really honest with yourself. And if you're not honest with yourself, you'll never be free. You'll always walk this way. And that's your decision. Again, remember the way of Cain, right? You can choose, you can choose what you want. And it's really, it's really hard to say, I'm an unsaved Christian. Wow. I'm, I'm a Christian who's only in culture, but I'm not really in my lifestyle or my choices. I really don't want to invite God into my business. 
because it is my life. I am grown, right? Okay, got you. I feel you. Here's what Paul said, though. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Paul said something that was really amazing. Paul really believed in a single life, and here's what he said. Sometimes I wish, sometimes I wish everyone was, was single like me. A simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. Read that with me, please. Come on. Celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. One more time. Celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage. marriage is not for everybody. Some of you want to be married because you want a ceremony. That's it. Beyond that, you ain't got nothing to do, you want nothing to do with marriage. You're not submitting to any man. You're not submitting to any man. You ain't submitting to any man. One more time. You're not submitting to any man. <laughs> One more time. Say any man. Oh, you mean that too, sister girl. Yes, you do with your fine self. You mean that. Snap, pow. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Tell you what. Get up in my money, in my space, like my space. <laughs> we can get together, have a little fellowship, but outside of that, no. And then all that's controlled by me too. No. You don't, you don't want to be in no partnership. You don't want to share money, share life, you know. You want to raise the kids the way you want to raise the kids, say what you want to say. God, you're the same way. You don't want to be faithful to anybody. You don't mind getting dressed up for a ceremony, but outside of that, that's it. Paul said marriage is not for everybody. Then he says, he said, I'm a single guy, and I love it, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. This is in the message version, by the way. God gives the gift of the single life to some, the gift of the married life to others. I do, verse 8, I do, though... Uh, tell the, I do tell the unmarried, he said, and widows that singleness, man, might be the best thing for them as it's been for me. Paul says, shoot, I ain't got to worry about nobody but me. I want to go on a missionary journey. I can say, Paul, you want to go on a missionary journey? I can say, yes, I do. <laughs> I ain't got to ask, ask no wife, can I go on, babe, I'm going to be gone for about three weeks. No, I ain't got to ask nobody. Children, I ain't got to book, book, I ain't got to worry about where they go to school. This is my life. He even goes on, if you read 1 Corinthians 7, and read it in the message version because it's great. He says, basically, man, please, when, you, when you're married, you've got to care for the things of the world. When you're single, you care for things of God. You can be spiritual. He thinks that being married slows you down. That's his opinion. I didn't say it. He did. What do you think? I like being married. I'm a happy married man, okay? But it's not for everybody. And sometimes I, I think you should just embrace your singleness until something changes. Here's my next question, number three. You ready? What should a single person do until they get married? Repeat it with me, please. Say, live, live prosper, prosper, and grow. grow. Ecclesiastes, this is not in your notes, or is it? Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Here's what it says. Whatever, wh- whoever, whatever turns up, uh, grab it. Whatever turns up, do what? Grab it. Whatever turns up, do what? And, and, and do it heartily. This is your last and only chance at it. For there's neither work to do, not, nor thoughts to think. In the company of the dead. When you're dead, you can't do anything like this. So, hey, do it while you can. Live, prosper, and grow. Come on, singles, come on. Live, prosper, and grow. You didn't sound like a minute. Come on, say, come on. Live, prosper, and grow. Praise God. That's what you should do. I think you should make that a priority in your life. Now, let's talk to the um, senior folks. You ready? Here you go. Mm Mm-hmm. Y'all be in my company. Let me talk to you three. This is my hood, my new hood, okay? Some of you say, no, Pastor, you're 61. You've been in the hood for a long time. You just don't know it. Number one, do you have relationships? Do you have relationships beyond your kids? How'd the end get in there? Wow. Get that error. Do you have relationships beyond your kids? Beyond your kids. 
and grandkids? Do you, do you invest in relationships beyond your kids? Excuse the error, but do you, do you get the point? There are moments in your life when you, if you're honest, if you're really, really honest, that's your life. Your kids and your grandkids. Now, you know, I love them both, but I am alive. Watch this. Second question. Do you have a dream for your future? Not their future. Your future. It's amazing how you stop dreaming past certain ages. You, just, you, know, you, just, you can even tell me what you want to do for you, where you want to go. Third, third question. Do you talk about the past or your future? Do you talk about the past or your what? Future. I'm, I'm telling you that when I joined this club, the senior club, I noticed that we always talk about the past, what we used to do, what we used to be. When I was in L.A., one of the most amazing things that I noticed about a number of the people that I knew, especially when I'm, a lot of celebrities that I got to know, they, they, they always introduced themselves or people introduced them by what they used to be. Oh, this is a guy, he had, he got, four, he got four Emmys, or this is a person, or, you know, you, you, who are you now? If you're not careful, you don't have a now moment in your life. Why don't you build one? What if you're going to live, what if you live 20 more years like this? 10 more years, 30 more years. Older people are living longer, and they're living sadder because they don't have a dream. So you spend 20 years, think about this now, you're, you're, let's say you're, I don't know what, what, how old, what old is to you, 50, 60, whatever it is. And so you spend the next 20 years talking about when you were 20 and 30. I remember when I was in high school. You're not in high school? That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. That's, 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 that's way back. You may still have those clothes in your closet, but that's old now. <laughs> it, there's something about... Um, just taking your life in and charting a path for yourself. Next set of questions, children questions. What if you feel your parents are mean to you? Okay. Some parents can be grumpy. Here's what you should do. You ready? Look from their side. Remember I told you earlier? Flip it around for a second. Have you ever, if you're a kid and you think your parents are being mean to you, have you ever taken care of anybody for years, fed them for free, <laughs> housed them? I'm just curious. You ever did that? You haven't, you haven't fed anybody, right? Housed them, clothed them, fed them, and then they talk back to you. <laughs> you ask them to wash the dishes. I ain't washing no dishes. You know what I'm saying? Why are you calling on me? Why don't you just do it yourself? Have you ever fed anybody that, and then they want to, can I borrow your car after they say that to you? you just flip it for a second. It's, it is kind of hard emotionally to process this. And then you want them to pay for your college like out of their money. Well, you're my daddy. You're my mama. Really? Well, no, 18, I can tell you to leave. I don't have no law. Nothing, nothing says you can be here. There's no law. I mean, check it. I check the law. No, they can leave. They can, I, can, I can put you outside. I can say happy trails to you. I mean, I don't have to. I don't know if you've thought about that or not. You know, flip it for a second. Because, you know, it's amazing how sometimes kids don't flip it around. Now, parents, you need to flip it too. It's hard to deal with a mean person, period. But here's what I want your kids to do, since this is your question. 
Always flip it around. If it's about your room, I always say something simple. If your room is a mess, just clean it up and scare them. They won't have anything else to talk about. Do your homework so they won't have to talk about it. If you're going to go someplace, just say, I'll be back at whatever time and tell the truth. You know, don't do like my kids did a time or two. Um, this is Ricky's favorite line. Is it already 12 o'clock? Man, time by fly, daddy. Dad, man, I didn't even look at my watch. That's why I bought you watches. So when will you be home? Well, dad, now, it's in the good part right now. Okay, dude, here's the deal. We made a deal. Okay? So, so there are moments, you know, where you just try to negotiate, but you got to flip it. Why you got me up worrying about you? You didn't call me. I'm up. I'm up. Too. I'm up. I'm thinking you did or something. Why? Well, I want to go to sleep. Just tell me where you're at. Be home when you said it. Just be fair. Can I, can I get an amen? amen? Boy, I could tell more stories about that. <laughs> Number two, second question for children. What can you do if you feel your friends don't like you? Three things. You ready? First of all, judge yourself. Am I the kind of friend that's not likable? Am I, am I difficult to deal with? Second question, judge their maturity. Are these the kind of friends that are just silly? They always got something to say about nothing. Sometimes it's them. It's not you. And then number three, be fair. I want you to judge yourself. Look at yourself. Say, did I do anything to contribute to this? Number two, judge them. Are they, are they just the kind of people who just pick on you? They're bullies. Or thirdly, just be fair. Say yourself, say, okay, well, that's fair. I, I am. I, I, I do talk too loud. Yeah, I do lie. Whatever it is that makes them not like you. If, you. if you know that, yeah, I did not pay them back. I know, I know, I know. Can I get an amen if you're with me? Okay. All right. Number three, third question. How do you spend, how do you respond to, to, to uh, bullying? Uh, I say, say something to someone who can help you. Stop it. Don't accept it. If they're going to, hey, look, if you're going to bully me, we're going we're gonna to deal with it together. I'm not going to sit here and just lie and let you push me into a corner and make me feel bad about myself or scare me and intimidate me. Tell somebody that has the power, that's important now, to help you, a mature person, and demand that it stop. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. All right, I got time for a few more. Here's some bonus questions. You ready? Bonus questions. What do I do about relationships that have a low return on investment? In other words, there's not much in this for me. I always ask this question, what does Diane get out of this relationship? I look at, and that's important to me, that's an important thing. What is it that when, from the time she met me to now, is her life better? Or a friend, I have the same thing for friendships. Is my life better since you were a friend, or does, has it cost me a lot? So I think, see, see the, if the value can be improved. If it's a low investment, low return, let's see if we can fix this. So that we get more of a return from it. Same thing with this church. You should say, well, when, since I've been in this church, has it helped me? What's the return on investment? And I think there should be a return on investment. Second bonus question. Can I get rid of my mate because the return on investment is low? <laughs> so deal with that one, Pastor Briggs. Spend some time on that one. Huh? First of all, are you both willing to improve the relationship? That's the big question. You can't, I can't, we can't fix this return on investment without both parties being willing to improve. And you can't take the, the position, well, I know I give all I need to give. 
to you, but you're not married just to you, or you're not just relating to yourself. If, if this is a, a friendship or whatever it is, a marriage, we have to, especially if it's a marriage in this, in this question, I have to, we both have to be willing to say, here's a great question to ask. What do you need from me? And don't interrupt them. They can't get one out. More patience. I'm very patient. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> see, 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 you just I blew everything. You want to listen. Can you say listen? Yes. I want to listen to what you say so that I can hear it. What is your return? On what, what do you need from me? I need, I need A, B, C. Okay, fine. Then I tell people, go think about it. And, and, and here's where you get lost. Well, I remember last week, I gave you some time, and what did you say? Here's what you said. I don't have time. Yeah, I tried. I tried last month. You always, listen, you're going to die on the altar of the list. You're going to die on the altar of the list. It's over. Let me tell you right now, it's over. It's finished. You did, I did, you said on 3rd, January 3rd. <clears throat> listen. Throw your list out, answer the one question. What do you need from me? Here's what Diane told me she needs from me. She said, number one, I need you to be faithful. That's what she told me. She said, look, let me just tell you. She said, I know some of your preacher friends and preacher people you know, they're crazy. That's what she said. She said, she said, nah, you know, Temple, I can't deal with it. She said, so, you, she said, number one, you're smart. Number two, you can afford to be unfaithful. And number three, they would never tell you a secret. You travel all over the world. You could be a sinner in every city. And nobody would know because you're smart. So I can't, I can't. Check your phone, be an investigator. And so I vowed. I said, that's one thing I can give you. Man. I can give you that. You do not have to supervise me because you can't, catch me, you can't supervise me. It's so easy, crossover. <laughs> Walking through a hotel the other day, how you doing? I said, how you doing? Said, this, how, how you doing? Fine, how are you? She turned around and said, where are you? Are you from here? So I knew right then. <laughs> Exit, stage left. You're right no, I'm not, but God bless you. Have a great day. God, I'm going that way. I'm not going to answer that question. Because <laughs> it kind of goes like this. Oh, really? What are you, a pastor? Oh, I've always wanted to ask a pastor's question. See this? There we go. Nah, not nah, everybody ain't like that. It's okay. Look, 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 look. I get it. I get it. And I'm compassionate toward all of that. I am. I'm not, I don't judge people. I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not crazy. I get it. I'm a person. I'm like you, flesh and blood. I can say that to her. Number two, she says, I don't want you to be grumpy. That was, she said it recently. That's a recent thing. I was a little edgy. <clears throat> <laughs> Had the edge on, you know what I'm saying? She said, I don't mind you disagreeing with me, but just that, the anger, edge. It's Okay. Here's, here's my response. I can, I, can, I can fix that. Take the edge off the response. Just answer my question. Number three, time with you. 
So I can do that. I can give you that. See, but then flip it. What you willing to give? Or you want everything? I sh- I t- oh. Yeah, I know. You're telling me to say it. I'm, just, I'm up here. I'm, I'm, an, I'm on the stand here. How about just, you can tell I'm struggling, right? <laughs> he say, oh, he got caught. That's a good Say that one right there, Pastor. Say that one right there. Don't, don't run from that. My wife does not have to work. Not really. I've been fortunate. I've been blessed. And you guys are gracious to me. And she really has for a long time. But but what's powerful is she never makes me feel used. In the early stages of our marriage, uh, I would have my money. Oh, yeah. What? You shocked? Yeah, girl. Ask me for some money. Hold on, babe. Shoot. <laughs> she would laugh. Say, Temple, give me a break. What you doing now? Why are you going to turn your back and count your little money out? You ain't got but $20. You know what I'm saying? You got your... Then I get mad because she ain't got nothing but $20. I mean, hey, you need my money right now, okay? <laughs> so it was a real big deal when I gave her money and let her manage. Now she's managing the main, main family account, has been for years. And in that, in that stuff, I'm telling you, uh, I know I'm supposed to finish, but hold on for a second. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a while. I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm going to keep going. I, I'm being bad, Mike. It's me. Hold on. He's supposed to do that. It's all good. Here's the deal. It's because I'm, I'm running out of time. See? <laughs> but it's your fault. Y'all got me. Got me what was that? Anyway? I said, what? what yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was I saying? What, what, what? Money. I had money. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a real big deal when I gave her, when I gave her the um, checkbook, manage. And so when I made extra money, right? Um, and, I, and now we've got this really cool thing working at, but it took a long time for me. It took a while for a lot of reasons, historical reasons. It had nothing to do with her. But here's what I love about her. I love the fact she shows appreciation. She says thank you. And she makes me feel like I'm not a slave. I take great pride in our home. I take great pride in the grass. I take great pride in keeping everything tight. I mean, I like it tight. But I don't feel, she said something to me, man, yesterday. Man, she said, you know, she said, you know, she told me, she said, I'm proud of you. That's it. Shoot, say that again, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> say that again, girl, you know what I'm saying? Proud of you, boy. You in school and you working hard. I say, you go. To, say that again, baby. See, you know what I do with that? I take that put in the refrigerator, and eat off of it every now and then. Because sometimes that's all he needs, that's all she needs. Somebody to say, thank you. Man, praise God. And can I just throw this in as a sidebar? Don said, yeah, I may not have to, but I better work. I'm going to be crazy. She want her own money, her own paycheck. That's my girl, praise God. She funny. What was that? Number what? Can what's hard? Yeah. Okay. Why is it hard to relate? Um, why is it hard? So don't don't get ready to make it. Hold on. Try to work on a relationship. Try to improve it. Why is it harder to relate to your children as they grow up? Sometimes, 
um, the way you see them. I think it's hard to get them out of being eight years old in your mind. You have to change and grow with them. They're no longer infants. And, and you, have to, you have to be willing to let them grow up and show respect. I was shocked when Christina said, he respects me as a woman. I said, woman? You a woman? Okay, yeah, that's right. She's a woman. She's a woman. Woman. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, almost last question how do I get along with people on my job when I don't like them first of all admit I'm having trouble with this person okay but make sure you're, you see clearly I'm here for a reason I need a job career I'm not here just for you so I don't need to let you determine my life can I get an amen, amen. Not, no that's not, that's not Mikey I'm sorry I thought, oh, it's you I'm sorry play something go ahead now I need some music. Go ahead. Play something. Because I'm, I'm, I'm all out of time. This is my last question. How do I respond when I don't get promotions? I feel like I should have received. Now there's an error here. Be amazing and keep being, not be being. Keep being valuable until another opportunity comes. Or go make your own opportunity. Here's what I believe. Sometimes you wanted something that you didn't come your way, but that's okay. You don't have to get every opportunity. I don't have to have the biggest church. I don't have to have the biggest. I don't have, I don't have to get. If you didn't get a promotion, here's what, here's what you should do. And I borrowed this from Jack Welch. He said, somebody asked him that question once, and he said, go be amazing. Go be amazing. Be amazing. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be considered. I appreciate it. I don't know why they got it. I, I, I train them. Okay, look at your attitude. That may be why. They may not want you that close. Having you that close, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you, know, you know I know more about the company than everybody. That's probably why they don't want you up there because you know everything. They want somebody that's open-minded. Or maybe it's just not for you. Maybe it's just not for you. I was offered a chance to pastor another church that you don't know about. And, and it was a really nice offer, a nice opportunity. And the person that was talking to me about this, I looked at them and said, this is not for me. This is for you. And he said, for me? I said, yeah, this is for you, not for me. I already got a church. I don't need to come move here. And so he said, um, so when he, when, he, when he gets up and he, yeah, I've spoken for him a few times. And he said, you know, Pastor Rick told me this was for me. Not for him. Now, they would have preferred me because I had more experience. They wanted somebody like me to come. But it wasn't for me. Everything is not for you. Sometimes you are a tool in God's hand to bless somebody else. Come on, say amen. You hear me? That's your job. Thank you for your questions. I hope you liked your questions. Let's all stand together, shall we? Father, I lift my heart and my hands to you, and I thank you for this wonderful opportunity. We leave this place today with a conviction that we need to not be afraid to ask, seek, and not. We can ask you, and you can bless us, and you can anoint us. I pray, Father, that we leave here inspired at all ages. 
those who are here, those who are home and on demand, I pray the blessings of God upon them. I give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray for people today who don't know you, who, who have been cultural Christians, but they're unsaved Christians. They, they admire God. They like what Jesus did on the cross. But in terms of their life choices, they've not invited you in their lives. And so today, I ask you to touch their hearts. Today, somebody says, Pastor, I have been a cultural Christian. I have not been a person who truly surrendered his or her life to God. So I want you to pray for me before I leave you today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, every hand down for just a moment, please. If that's you and you're saying, pray for me, Pastor, I want you to raise your hand. I want to know who you are. Pray for me. I see a hand. Anybody else? I see two. Do I see anybody else? Anybody else? Three, four. Okay. Now, every hand lifted, please. Father, we pray for these and many who did not raise their hand, but many who raised their heart, both here and at home and on demand, wherever they are. Touch them today and let this be the transforming moment when their lives change and they'll never be the same. They don't want Jesus just to be a cultural part of their life. They want him to be a real personal part of their life. And we give you the praise for them in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. I pray you were blessed by today's message. You know, it really is important for people to have the ability to work out those relationship issues because they can be tough. Whether you be a child, whether you be a parent, whether you be a man trying to find the right person, God has the ability to help you. And I hope today's discussion helped you. So let's pray together. Father, I pray that those who watch today have found answers to their challenges. I pray that the things that they struggled with, they'd open their heart and you would give them peace today. And I give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, if you have listened to this and you said, you know, I like this and I think I like to ask a question, you can feel free to email me at pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org and say, hey, I saw your, your, your sermon on demand and I had a question I wanted to add, ask you. So feel free to do that. We'd love to hear from you. Again, it's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. I pray things are well for you. Go and enjoy your relationships. And I pray if they're a broken relationship, that God would help you heal. Have a great day.